This is Live Well Talk on Lung Cancer Screening. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. Lung cancer is the leading cause of death in both men and women. The best way to prevent lung cancer is to catch it early prior to its spreading. Joining me today on the podcast is Mallory Kamer, radiation therapist and supervisor at St. Luke's NASA Radiation Center to tell us more about lung cancer checks and who's eligible for such. Mallory, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What What is a radiation therapist? Radiation therapist is someone that delivers radiation treatments to cancer patients. So we get them in the proper position depending on, you know, the area that we're looking at, get them as comfortable as we can um, and the area like open and kind of sp- spread out, like say, you know, we're going to treat your lung or your breast, your arms are above your head so that it's not actually in the radiation treatment field. So kind of um, like a radiology tech. Yeah. But instead of taking a picture, you're blasting them with radiation. Yeah. So we're trying to kill the DNA cell of the, of the tumor. Um, in radiology, you're diagnosing. So you're getting a pretty yeah. picture for the radiologist. How, how do you become a radiation? So therapist? I did go to x-ray school before did you? radiation okay. therapy school. So, and then that's a modality, just like CT or MRI or nuke med is a modality of radiation therapy. So it's more schooling added on to sure. it. So you kind of figure out in x-ray school if you if you want to move on or if you want to do that. Kind of like some of the cath lab people, they started out in x-ray school and then yep. used fluoro and then just ended up working in the cath lab. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I knew people positioned them, but I really didn't didn't know that. So I learned something today. So now that we know what a radiation therapist is, and we want to talk about lung cancer, what is a lung cancer check? So it is a CT scan. We actually do them in the cancer center, but we use our CT scanner. So it's a low-dose scan. Um, We kind of set up our parameters to the machine to ensure that it's a low-dose scan. So we start at the top of your lung and go through your entire lung. That patient's holding their breath throughout the treatment, so we know that they're holding nice and still. Um, so what ensures that low dose is, um, it kind of goes on how long your lungs are, um, how thick your chest is. So we do the lowest, um, dose possible to get the prettiest picture. So you have to realize too, your heart's in there and smoking does play a toll on your heart. So what do you, when you say low dose, what's a normal CT scan of a chest? Like, um, dose wise, like yeah. what you'd get. So. Yeah. Like you'd get a little different dose than I would get. So it's not so you set just in called stone. Me, you just call me fat. <laughs> no, I'm saying you, you broad shoulders okay, and your, right, your right. chest is bigger than mine. Just so to actually like bring your arms checking. up. And so we'd scan through your chest. And so the dose isn't set for each, but they wouldn't stop right at their lungs just for a CT of your chest. So it is variable per patient. Yes, it is. And so yeah. how do you determine that? Do you take a picture and say, okay, we got to go a little bit higher. We got to go a little bit higher. Okay, there we are. Is that how you do it? I mean, yeah. So we do like an initial, like we call it a topogram, but it's just a quick scan of that patient's lungs. So then we set our border for the actual scan on oh, how wow. high we go and how low we go. And I'm sure after a while, you're kind of like, mm, you kind of get a pretty good idea where yep. to start. I mm-hmm. bet. Yeah. Okay. For sure. Well, I mean, that's let's keep talking about radiation in that standpoint because it, it would be easy to say, um, well, let's just scan everyone uh, and for lung cancer. Let's just, you know, put them out at the mall and just have everybody get a CAT scan. Uh, but that would expose them to unnecessary radiation, yeah. correct? So what is the criteria to get a lung scan? So it has expanded a little bit. So okay. the age starts at 50 
and goes to 78. So that's kind of the age group that we're working with. Um, they have to have a 20-pack year um, history smoking. You have to be a former smoker or a current smoker. And if you're a former smoker, you have to have quit within the last 15 years. Um, so it kind of cuts off insurance, sort of quits paying for it at that. Um, and no a, signs a, or symptoms a, of a, lung cancer is another. A pack year, we should let the listeners know, is the number of cigarettes you smoke per day for a year. So if yeah. you're a 15-pack year history, meaning that you've smoked one pack of cigarettes a day for 15 years yep. or two packs a day for seven and a half years. Correct? Yeah. Thanks yeah. for clarifying that. Yeah. That's a lot of cigarettes. That is. Yeah. And it used to be 30 and now it's down to 20. So that kind of opens it up. So and it's important too to get that first one, whether you hear about it today or you, you know, you just turned 50, but to get that baseline. So a radiologist is always comparing to that first one. So if there's any spots or areas that are a little bit suspicious, they can look back to see if there were changes in that. And so that's really important in diagnosing any any nodules sure, they, or cancers. You know, Not they, saying all nodules are cancer cancerous, but um, definitely being able to compare that and the changes is for the early detection how, is super important. All right, let's let's play guess how old people are game. How many <laughs> How many slices was a CT scan when you were in school? Slice thickness like, or? You know, how many how many slices could it do? Well, you can kind of change what that is, but like the shorter and thinner the slices. Yeah. I mean, what's the, do you remember what it was when you went to school? No, because I, I only went to school for x-ray. You know, I didn't actually work in the field or anything. Like when I was a medical student, they were 16 slice. You know, so then it went 32, 64, 128. I don't know what they are now. So you, there was a time when you had all these nodules showing up because you were missing them before. Does that make sense? Oh, I see. Like the slice thickness was a yeah. little bit too big. So now we've condensed it. So it's a lot more detailed. Yeah. Maybe a little more radiation, but definitely more detailed, which at that point you'd rather have. To right, right. I mean, it's, it's all positive, but, uh, you know, but it did change things when you just went from this very seldom having nodules to all of a sudden everything was a nodule. Uh, and I remember that transition. And I'm sure people got extra CT scans to make sure it's okay. But I think at the end of the day, it's a better test and better anatomy and picture for us. So insurance covers this. All insurance is Medicare? Yeah. Yep. So, and you can't have a CT within the last year or two or else they can pull that CT scan and just look at that. So kind of you meet the criteria, you have insurance, uh, should be approved by that. And so it is so detailed too that it is, like you were talking about with the slices, a very good image of your heart. I've had plenty of patients say, well, you you saw something on my heart the last time. So they did all these extra tests and, you know, either they found something or they didn't find something. So I thought that was super interesting too on the, the well that's that's always been that. the concern with screening tests that not only radiology wise that you're going to expose people to radiation they don't need or you're going to start a cascade of tests that could have a complication you know so you you have you see a nodule it leads to a biopsy Turns out it was benign, but yet they had a pneumothorax or a collapsed lung, and that has to be treated. So the, that's always been the concern that if we just screen everyone, um, 
you, you won't have, you'll have more complications than you would have had for the number of cancers you diagnosed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the benefit outweighs yeah. you know, the risk of it. Yeah. So across the, but it's like a lot of things in, in medicine and in life too, but if something's one out of a million, but you're the one that gets it, well, then it's a hundred percent of the time for you. Right. You know, right. you don't take a lot of comfort knowing, well, at least there's, you know, 999,000 people that didn't have it, you know? So that that's always the mental gymnastics. I think we do that. If you're the one that has it, it's a hundred percent of the time for you. But with the tumor marker and the genetic therapy for lung cancer, finding early is the best treatment right it now. Really it really is yeah. because, you know, stage one is definitely manageable with either removing some of your lung right. or immunotherapy. And stage two is absolutely too. Stage three is considered, you know, in your lymph nodes. So at that point, you know, they take a different approach and stage four is really scary. Yeah. So, yeah. and sometimes, you know, the like 20% of the first and second stage have zero symptoms. So people just come in, you know, for their lung screen thinking, I'm just going to check out my lungs and, you know, then they find something. So it's so important for these screenings and to get on top and, of it when you and can. And we all know, I had one recently in the last six months, um, never smoked, reasonably healthy, you know, just shows up with some back pain, finds out metastatic lung cancer. Yeah. You know, we all have those cases, but they're pretty rare, thankfully. They are. In uh, certainly... Um, it's always sad when someone has lung cancer and they never smoked, uh, but a majority of people smoke. Uh, I, I think it's forty percent of people that smoke end up developing some sort of lung malignancy for over a period of time. It's like COPD or COPD actually is a minority of patients. I know in the healthcare we just think everybody gets emphysema or COPD with smoking because that's who we see, but it's only about fifteen percent of the people that smoke develop COPD or emphysema. And, it, and what's interesting, not that people shouldn't quit smoking, but it probably happens with the first cigarette you took. It triggers that cascade of damage uh, huh. to, to your lungs. Interesting. Uh, yeah, the patients, like, there's a genetic susceptibility to it, uh, particularly in Taiwanese, uh, that, like, they have a higher incidence of emphysema, and they think it's a genetic sort of cluster. Uh, that when they smoke, they, they trigger that. And smoking is very common in Asia and Europe. Uh, uh, you don't see people smoke around here like you used to, but uh, right. But certainly it uh, it is still present. It's always sad when I see a young person smoking. I'm like, oh, gosh, you know. So, so they used to market it, I think, back in, you know, the 70s. Oh, yeah. Pregnant I, women I, were smoking and, you know, it was no big deal. And it was good for you. So Yeah, the... Uh, you know, nine out of 10 doctors recommend camel cigarettes for asthma yeah. or something like that. <laughs> but I, here's another kind of funny story along those are peculiar. When I was in high school, I'd play fast pitch softball out at uh, Ellis Park. And the, the guys on the team, they'd like run to first base and then they'd start hacking and coughing and then come in the dugout, you know, and smoke a cigarette and quit coughing. And I used to think, that is so weird. But then when I was in medical school, there's atropine and scopolamine that's in this cigarette that helps dry out their lungs. And that's why a smoker's cough sometimes responds to your first cigarette in the morning. Um, and so I always found that kind of unusual that yeah. you're coughing and hacking and so you take a drag on a cigarette. But it's actually basically like asthma medication. So that's, I think that's where this asthma cigarettes came in vogue in the 1950s and 
back so then. So dries your lungs out? Right. The scopolamine and atropine uh, act as an anticholinergic and dry up the, the, the makes, makes you, your secretions dry. So it would stop the, uh, the mucus production temporarily. Because, huh. yeah, then there's, I forget what they're called, but they're kind of like all in your throat that once you smoke a cigarette, you kind of like burn them out and then you can't cough up what you need to like the mucus so it kind of just like your mucociliary clearance becomes damaged yeah (laughs) Yeah. no that's fine um and that's that's another reason why uh there's a little science behind chicken soup helps with a cold and a cough because it keeps you hydrated and it allows those that ciliary uh those little micro ciliary to work better Hmm. interesting all the listeners are googling you know, microciliary <laughs> and Taiwan right now. So, so uh, how how do I get a, a, ta- a, a t- so okay? I'm a smoker, and we're going to come to stopping smoking. But okay. how do how do I contact you to get the? Do I need my physician to contact the center? Um, either one. So your primary care doctor, if you you know see them regularly and go in for a physical and you're you meet the criteria they should be ordering you know that lung screen and when once you have an order we can get it scheduled or that office calls and it gets um, they schedule it for you but our lung screening number is I have it here so it's 319-861-6949 so if you know you know you're within that criteria and your doctor's giving you an order um, a lot of our patients do see a pulmonologist regularly too, so they order a lot of our lung screens, and so do just the PCPs, you know, around the area. So they we can call you can call that number yourself and get if you meet the criteria. Yeah, and if there's an order in from a doctor as okay, well. Okay, so you do need an order. Yep. All right, got it. Well, the the best way to fight lung cancer is to reduce your risk for it, and the highest risk that we know of is cigarette use nicotine mm-hmm. so what what do you ever how do you encourage people to stop smoking so when they come in for a lung screen we kind of talk about where they're at with if they're ready to quit if they want to quit if they're so far and don't want to quit at all like have zero interest in quitting um, so we give them a smoking cessation packet um, there are a few numbers like a 1-800 number 1-800 quit now and so there's some motivation um, with that, with, you know, when you want to pick up a cigarette, you pick up the phone instead and call them and kind of, they can talk you through, you know, not smoking that cigarette. And there's, you know, a lot of different things that go along with quitting smoking, whether it's like hypnosis, you've heard of that, but, um, we kind of just keep it at that and some, some resources for them to, to quit if they're interested in quitting. That's that that is uh, of value, of course. Uh, and I, I've always found in my career that it's one you have to determine what sort of smoker you are. Is it a oral hand fixation, truck drivers, you know, something to do while they drive, mm-hmm. uh, or is it stress, is etc. But nicotine's a drug; you, yeah. you're addicted to it's an it. Addiction, yeah. Um, I've always encouraged patients. Let's say they smoke a pack of cigarettes a, a day, which is twenty cigarettes, I think. You know, I've said, okay, go go down two cigarettes every three days until you stop smoking, you know, rather than just going cold turkey, so to speak, because, I, you know, that's less likely to work as far as nicotine uh, desire. 
Um, yeah, and all the long screens that I do, I do talk to the patient about that, and we kind of rank them on a zero to ten on a scale. And so try to encourage them to quit, and you know, kind of feel out where they're at. Like we we had talked about if they're if they're ready or if they're you know going to laugh at me and say there's no way, lady, that I'm going to quit smoking. So. Well, and I think as a professional, you have to have that conversation, but not not belittle them because that doesn't accomplish anything. Right. You know, more encouraging. I yeah, feel like. absolutely. That motivational interviewing, I think, is the discipline mm-hmm. they call it. Uh, but because mo- I, I think most people do want to be approached in a constructive way and not be, uh, you know, talked down to or, or, or scolded. That's the term I'm looking for. They don't nobody likes to be scolded. Right. And a lot of people, it seems like, you know, they're really trying, they're actively trying and whether they do need encouraging or, you know, someone to motivate them or, you know, someone to just talk to about it too. That's helpful. I feel like. My dad was a big smoker, two to three packs a day, died at a young age, directly related to that. But, um, it was, I mean, he tried so many times, so many different things, you know, um, just, it was difficult. Yeah, but both my parents actually smoke, and we've had we've lost an aunt and an uncle, my aunt and uncle, to lung cancer. So diagnosed at stage four, gone within four months. Yeah. So just, you know, the toll that it takes on a family and a person, and you know, he had young daughters, and so, you know, that's why I am passionate about it too. Why radiation therapy? How did you end up doing that? So you told I, us how you become one, but why? Yeah. So I started in x-ray school and I, and I did like that, you know, how we talked about sort of diagnosing mm-hmm. rather than treating. So with that too, it is, you know, you learn a little bit about a patient and then you send them on their way. So with radiation therapy, you get to know them. You know, you, you start to have conversations daily, whether they're feeling good, they're feeling bad, and you develop like a real, you know, a friendship, you know. And I think that's what made me come into radiation therapy because you get to know them. And I'm a social person, so that makes me, like, feel good, too, on top of that. Maybe they don't feel good, but a lot of times we do, you know, there are jokes and we laugh and they come in later for different scans and stuff and they're saying hi to everyone. And, you know, there is some fun to be had, too. So we're not just all... I'll First of all, I think... I hear nothing but good things about the crew over in the radiation therapy there. Yeah, it's a great crew. Yeah, starting right with Joan Huggins. Oh yes, I mean she's amazing. She is so great. Yeah, her her daughter played basketball with one of my daughters. Oh, did she? Known Joan a long time. She's just a phenomenal person. I've never heard a negative thing about you guys over there. It's always positive, which is outstanding. Uh, Yeah, it's a great group. You know that likes to come to work every day and and. You know, we're having fun over there and taking care of patients and enjoying their company. I think that is, you know, a big thing. And that's what they need sometimes, too. You know, they're going through some hard things. Yeah, if you don't like people, then you probably shouldn't be in healthcare. Yes, for sure. And helping people, too. You know, that makes people feel good, you know, with COVID coming up and being a little bit more isolated and not having as many social interactions. We've you know, some people don't do well with that. And so well, just well, knowing. I, that, that's, I brag about St. Luke's all the time. And it's not just because I work here. But, you know, we do have a culture where we we believe in helping people and we behave as such. And that, that's a good culture when you when your beliefs and your behaviors line up. Mm-hmm. Good things happen. They really do. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you for joining me, Mallory. Yeah, thank you for uh, having even me. Even though you had a hard time finding the studio today, but we'll uh, <laughs> you can plan for next time. Uh, thank you again for joining me, educating our listeners about the Lung Check Program. Once again, this is Mallory Kamer, uh, radiation therapist and supervisor at St. Luke's NASF Radiation Center. For more information about Lung Check, visit unitypoint.org backslash lungcheck. If you've been diagnosed with lung cancer or any other type of cancer, the NASF Community Cancer Center is here for you. For more information on their extensive offering of support services and therapies, visit communitycancercenter.org. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.